So you got guys making six figures in their first year with this? For sure. That's impressive. For sure. So like buying the houses and all that? Yeah. So we teach people how to leverage other people's money. So 90% of our students do their deals with no money out of pocket. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing that a lot of people are on the sidelines waiting to get started because they think that money is their barrier. Yeah. But it's not. It's not the money. It's the knowledge. Wherever you guys are watching this show, I would truly appreciate it if you follow or subscribe. It helps a lot with the algorithm. It helps us get bigger and better guests, and it helps us grow the team. Truly means a lot. Thank you guys for supporting, and here's the episode. Guys, we got Brian Adamson, real estate expert here today. How's it going, man? Good, man. Happy oh, to be here. Yeah, all the way from Orlando. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You've it been was, in... It uh, worth the travel. Hell yeah, we're going to make it happen. You've yeah. been in Orlando for a minute? 13 years now. Wow. Originally from Detroit, we moved uh, to Orlando December of 2010. Okay. Yeah. Why'd you make that move? The weather. Yeah, Detroit's cold, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and were you doing real estate in Detroit, or did you start in Orlando? Yeah, I started in Detroit 2006. I started my junior year in college. Wow. Uh, had no idea what I was doing, but a buddy of mine was flipping houses. He was like, look, I got these buyers. They don't have down payments. If you want to put up the money, cover their down payment. When mm. I flip them the house, I get a return on your investment. Okay. And so I started with a six, $7,000 refund check. Damn. Yeah, back in 2006. And then I quickly figured out if they buying properties with no job, I probably could do the same. <laughs> so started buying rental property in college. And then uh, 2008 happened, right? Right. Wasn't prepared for that. But I wasn't jaded. I was so new to the business that while people were running away, losing their shirt, I'm like, yeah, I got nicked up a little bit, but these properties are a lot cheaper now. You right. know what I mean? Stuff I was paying 150 for was now like 28 grand. Damn. So I was like, I'm about to go do more of this. So, you know, I bought close to 20 doors. I was 24, 25 years old at the time. Wow. And uh, But I still didn't have any education, you know, just out there kind of fumbling my way forward and then hit my fundamental ceiling of achievement about eight years in just making too many mistakes and you know, we can get good at the bad, at the wrong things. Right. Yeah. And so my philosophy wasn't working anymore because stuff wasn't as cheap as it was. Mm. You could make money by mistake back then just from buying things when the market was compressed. And uh, finally when it got mentorship and learn how to, the actual skill, right. Yeah. And, and building a business and asset protection and how to fix and flip and raise capital and all those types of things. And then, you know, started doing an active income and then eventually got into commercial multifamily. But Detroit did start out as my primary market. And then, you know, once I moved to Florida, started doing some things in Florida and a couple other places, but, you know, found my way back to Detroit as well. Mm -hmm. uh, now I own, you know, my apartment buildings up there. Nice. I like what you said, because everyone thinks they're an expert when the stock market's up, when crypto's <sighs> up. You see all these people selling their picks and their courses. Everyone can make money in a bull market. For sure. But with real estate, you know, after 08, you could buy any house and make money on it. 100%. And people thought they were smart. <laughs> Until they figured out they weren't. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so when, when it did crash in 08, was that your biggest loss you took? No. No. I, I, didn't, I didn't have enough then to really take that big of a loss. We did. We built a new construction home in 2007. So mm -hmm. we graduated college, moved into like this 300,000, 2,500 square foot house. Mm -hmm. And um, that was great. Until it was worth 168, like 18 Damn. months later, you know what I'm saying? So, um, so I, yeah, I, I, we got nicked up a little bit. Did some short sales back then, which weren't popular. Deed in lieu of foreclosure, got from up under some bad debt. But when I actually started to scale my business, is when I got into trouble. I lost a half a million bucks. Damn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was extrapolated out over time. Yeah. But just you know, it was a humbling experience. You know, I look at it like 
God actually used that opportunity, one, to show me my blind spots, mm. right? And two, I knew I didn't know five, six years later he was gonna put me on a platform and start teaching people all over the world right. how to build six and seven figure businesses in twelve months for themselves, right? Yeah. And so um that opportunity afforded me the the wherewithal of the gaps that existed in this industry mm. as it pertained to education, coaching, and all the rest of it. And so when I started my platform, I built it from mitigating against the the down the downfall that I had. Yeah. Because I realized that anybody that signed up for this business is susceptible to all of those things that went wrong with me. Contractor problems, um, not having the proper uh, accountability measures in place. Shout out to the Science of Scaling podcast hosted by Mark Roberge. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Each week, Mark, founding CRO at HubSpot CRO and senior lecturer at Harvard Business School, interviews some of the most successful sales leaders in tech to learn the secrets, strategies, and tactics to scaling company growth. We recently had on the head of sales from OpenAI, and that was a very interesting episode on the future of AI. Listen to the science of scaling wherever you get your podcast today. Not having the, the proper systems and processes in place, and you mm -hmm. just start hemorrhaging money, especially right. when you're doing it to scale. And so, you know, I tell people it was like one of the darkest, brightest moments for me. Wow. You know, because I was able to repurpose that pain, you know what I mean, yeah. eventually at a later point. Yeah, I think it's easy to get carried away, especially when you're using OPM, right? You, for sure. you just want to buy as much as you can. For sure. And you're not really doing the due diligence at, sure. at that pace. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I mean, we were really good at analyzing the deals, but our processes were, were broken, mm -hmm. you know, and people were stealing money and contractors were, you know, uh, not very forthright with bids and things of that nature. Mm. And, you know, my ignorance disallowed me to hedge against that. Wow. Right. And so it, it was, it was, you know, half a million dollar education. It put me in position to make millions thereafter, but yeah. you know, definitely a painful process. Dang. So taking a hit like that, what was it like rebounding? Did it take you years? Uh, it seemed like the loss took longer than the rebound, honestly, Okay, you know, because I had already built up so much momentum and I think that's one of the biggest challenges for most people is when you go through something like that, right? Even on a smaller scale, the best thing that you can do is to keep going. Mm. People stop, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, 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 how do you how do you win if you stop? Mm. The only way to win is to keep going, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I, the 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 rebound actually was faster than. Uh, the process of just hemorrhaging the money. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. And you're able to teach thousands of people now, right? Real oh, estate. for sure. Yeah. For sure. And teach them, you know, we got students in Denmark, Japan, Afghanistan, all throughout the Damn. States, you know, because when I moved to Florida, I learned how to invest remotely. And so it's really just, I mean, while I practice it from afar, many of our students do, especially those in Cali and Vegas looking for cheaper markets. Mm -hmm. But but it's really about having the right infrastructure in place and being able to replicate your day-to-day -day activity through someone else, mm. right? So if I learn how to um, hold contractors accountable, uh, analyze bids, you know, run the day-to-day -day operation, and I can show someone else how to do that for me, mm. then that frees me up to do my two highest and best use as an investor, which is raising more capital and looking for more deals, mm. right? So this is how we're able to teach people with 10 to 12 hours a week how to go out and build a six and seven figure business because they can do it in tandem 
with their corporate situation or if they're a business owner. Yeah. And then eventually, if they had an appetite, allow the business to then replace whatever they do on a day-to-day -day basis. Wow. So you got guys making six figures in their first year with this? For sure. That's impressive. For sure. And how much money do they need to start to achieve those results? Well, I mean, the, the uh, paying for education is the price of admission. Other right? than that part, I mean, just in terms of like buying the houses and all that. Yeah, so that's the interesting thing about it, Sean. So we teach people how to leverage other people's money. So 90% of our students do their deals with no money out of pocket. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's amazing that a lot of people are on the sidelines waiting to get started because they think that money is their barrier. Yeah. But it's not. It's not the money. It's the knowledge. Mm. And so once you have the knowledge... There's a ton of there's always more money on the sidelines than there are viable opportunities and good operators. Mm. So if you can put yourself in that good operator status and go out and present ideas to people who need to deploy capital, we were just talking about that offline, right? Yeah. Like we, like there's people that need to deploy capital but don't have the time or the interest to learn how to become a proficient real estate investor. So that's what we do. We equip our students with that skill set and wherewithal to where they come as a value add to people that got money that's sitting around literally losing money every day that it sits into a bank account. Yeah, people don't even realize how much they're losing. For sure. Isn't it like 20% a year right now? Oh, my God. It's, <laughs> it's an ugly number. Yeah. Ugly number. Nah, having money is like the worst investment right now. 100%. Yeah, but with the real estate market so all over the place right now, what are your overall feelings on property values moving forward and interest rates and all that? I think personally... Right. Nobody knows. I think rates are going to come down significantly by end of quarter two, going into quarter three next year. Oh, that right? quick? It is election year. Yeah. Right? True. So everything always gets better around election. Right. Uh, short of that, you know, I think values, I think values are going to stay pretty solid, mm. to be honest, just because it's still an inventory issue. While there may be less buyers in the market because of rates, but people that need a home are going to have to buy one. There won't be any move up buyers because people are not going to get rid of the two, three percent that they got during. Right. right. So it'd be very few of those. But there are people out there that have a legitimate need to still buy a home and they're going to have to figure it out. That's true, man, because I've been in Vegas for a few years and it ain't dropping, honestly. Mm -mm. Like I've been looking for years and expecting it to drop. And honestly, some of them even went up. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So it's pretty wild. Even though the interest rates went up, there's, yeah, that supply issue with certain cities. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, and the luxury market is always going to be a little more finicky just because you don't have as many players in that market. But that market always does well as well because the people with money going to buy what they want regardless. That's true. Right. Yeah. They don't care about interest rates. So, yeah. And we're getting NBA team. We're getting MLB. We got the spear. We got a lot of things popping out here. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you mentioned you're you're really good at raising money. That's one of your two best skills. Mm -hmm. How much have you been able to raise? Uh, Probably about 10 million bucks to date. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive, man. Yeah. And was that all like private investors? Private investors. Yeah. Nice. I've been blessed. I was just having a conversation yesterday on a podcast like i haven't had to do a true syndication like like you know, a fund yeah like a fund um i just been blessed to be in position around people that that had the means and and and, and just to be clear like I, I grew up on the west side of detroit my dad <laughs> was a firefighter for 30 years my mom was a cashier at a grocery store so i'm I, I just i wanted to make sure i clarified that so that people watching this don't think that I just had this silver spoon, <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. no, I've just continued to make the right investments in myself and put myself in the environments where the people are that I need to complete the mission that I have. Mm. And I think that's one of the biggest disadvantages is people trying to do 
a new thing in an old place. For sure. You got to get out here and position yourself around the people that you aspire to do what they do. Mm. Was getting that first investor the hardest and then from oh there? Oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> it absolutely was. Man. Yeah, the... I, uh, I never forget, it was like 26,000 bucks I needed on my first flip. And it took me three, four months to raise that money, man. Damn. Because I think a lot of people don't know raising capital is beyond just presenting a spreadsheet and an idea. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of psychology built into it as well. Right. And until you understand personality types and really get clear on the pain point and the payoff, then raising capital isn't as straightforward as many people think. And so we take a deep dive in that inside of our program because once you learn that, then raising capital becomes a lot easier. But yeah, yeah. I remember it took me three months to raise 26 grand. <laughs> it, it, it was crazy, bro. I laugh about it now because yeah. I sit across from people and it's just like, yeah, it's, it's a million bucks. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah, it's a million bucks. And it's like, because the, the thing that we take for granted is if they got the capital and they want to do it, they're just waiting for you to show them a to Z. Yeah. Like, like, show me the bridge. How do I get from here to here? And when does it happen? How does it happen? And um, you can, if you can clearly identify the payoff, then you're good. Yeah. 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 I like what you said about psychology because there is a lot of human to human connection there when you're 100%, raising money. 100%. Yeah. 100%. People will invest if they like you. 100%. Because here's the thing people are truly investing in you. The deal just gives them an opportunity to make you investable. Mm, facts. I love that. That's so true, though. Sometimes people just want to build a relationship with you. That's right. Yeah. And they'll give up like a better deal on paper just to work with you to Absolutely. build that relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. I noticed that too, for sure. Um, so what's like the next plan, like with the market right now, are you still raising capital doing deals? So I, I've been stabilizing some of what I bought, uh, last year and cause we had some, some heavy renovations and we're doing some lease ups, but 2024, I had planned to, to buy my first hotel. Wow. I got the appetite to buy international flag, Hampton Inn, something like that. Nice. Um, but I don't know. I, I I've been praying and just kind of trying to stay still because while that's what I want to do, it seems like it's more and more people coming to me that that just need the help of getting clear. Uh, they're tired of living life by default and want to live it by design. And mm. that's one of my gifts to help people kind of pull that out of them, yeah. take their natural gifting and show them how to monetize it. And so I've been extremely busy with that. And, and quite honestly, more than any real estate transaction, I get fed from feeding. So, you know, helping people build out the lives that they want is something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. So, I mean, it's I'm, I'm still putting one step in front of the next, right? Because Faith Without Works is dead. This is how we figure things out. Are you interested in coming on the Digital Social Hour podcast as a guest? We'll click the application link below in the description of this video. We are always looking for cool stories, cool entrepreneurs to talk to about business and life. Click the application link below and here's the episode, guys. Throughout the process of walking it out, but uh, 2024 very well could be my first hotel acquisition. And then 2025, I want to start doing mergers and acquisitions. Mm. Yeah, the hotel numbers must be insane. If if you have good occupancy, I assume the margins are phenomenal. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. It must be, uh, you probably need like a great area though. Like you can't just pick some random hotel. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but I, I find that, you know, destination obviously is great. And then, you know, it, the idea really came to me when my wife and I were taking our daughter to Georgia to mm. college. And um I just saw how many hotels were just like parking lots full right off of the expressway. Mm. And so 
ideally, if I don't get into like a tertiary market that has a big draw, like a convention center or something, yeah. like our daughter used to dance uh, uh, competitively, and they will always have like nine, 10 months out the year, these hotels will be sold out around this Lakeland Convention Center there in Orlando. And so that that kind of gave me an idea of a good a good draw, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, in terms of a purchase, if yeah. it's not off of Expressway or something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. So your daughter went to college. You also went to college. I did. Is that something you push on her? Because right now you're doing real estate, which you didn't learn in college, right? Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. I do not push education on my daughter okay. at all. Um, we actually advocate for her to... She's so gifted. She's been a paid actress since she was 12. Wow. Right? She's got her SAG card. She's been on, you know, uh, ATL with Donald Glover. And, nice. Right? But in, so she wanted to go be a cardiothoracic surgeon initially. Then she figured out she didn't like biology. And so <laughs> then that went into healthcare administration. And then that turned into now she's at Life University uh, working on her doctor of chiropractic. And so I just taught her. I'm like, listen, you got a ton <laughs> of skill, ton of gifts. She's been a business owner since she was 19. Yeah. She flipped her first house at 18. So st- st- the girl could do whatever she wants to do. And right. I just told her, don't pigeonhole yourself. If you ever find that you're wasting time in college, get out. Mm. It's a ton of money and opportunity for her. I love that advice because a lot of parents really push it on their kids. Yeah. And it, they almost feel like they're forced to go. Yeah. That's, in my humble opinion, I, I think that's a poor poor way to go yeah you know because unlike when I grew up right I'm 40 right so I grew up in the 80s in the 90s information wasn't prevalent Mm. right I didn't I didn't have an avatar of what I wanted to become in life I just knew I wanted more than what I saw around me right whereas now there's avatars everywhere everywhere every day right Mm -hmm. you just pick that phone up and pick one can learn so much oh my god and so I think you're putting your children at a disadvantage to me it's almost ignorant to tell them to go to college if they don't aspire to do so. Only wow. because you thought that that was best for you based on your generation and where you come from. Mm. You're holding them back by, and this is so important, Sean, I tell people that we should only take advice from people that have had success in the area we wanna go into. Facts. Regardless of relationship. I love my parents to death, but my dad was the first to call me when I quit corporate America and was like, I'm glad you didn't listen to me. Cause his whole philosophy was go to work 30 years. Wow. Because that's all he knew. Right. And so we got to be careful that that we don't push our own uh, experiences and lack of wherewithal on our children. Mm. We're really holding them back. Wow. That's such good information because your parents want the best for you, but they don't know the best route for you. For sure. Because it's a different generation. For sure. Going to college for our parents was normal. 100 percent. Yeah. Right. Or even in my case, not normal because they didn't go. right? Right. So like the next step for me was going to college and that was a big deal mm. you know but uh as i went there it, it really wasn't for me <laughs> my, my my biggest my biggest accomplishment in college yeah was i grew up in inner city detroit where i was 99 percent of the population when i went to college in central michigan i was three percent wow minority that's a huge change oh my god you talking <laughs> about a culture shock right yeah but it but it it made me so much more well-rounded mm. to immerse myself in an unfamiliar environment like that. And um, it, it bet, that's the piece that prepared me for the world more than anything in college. Wow. I don't remember a formula, <laughs> uh, right? Like like yeah. none of it. But, but that experience, I couldn't have gotten that in real time coming from where I come from. Mm. Yeah, there is some good social skills you pick up in college and 100%. networking. Um 
growing up in Detroit, though, did that really leave an impact on your future? Yeah, it <laughs> did. Yeah, I uh, back to proximity. You know, I knew since I was 12 that I had an affinity for money. Yeah. And I knew I'd be a money guy, honestly. And, you know, looking at my parents, while they, I love them to death for their work ethic, they just didn't exude the, the life that I, or emulate the life that I wanted. Right. And so, you know, the people that did were the people in the streets hustling. Mm. And so I found myself, you know, emulating that lifestyle. And I was 17, my, my senior year in high school, caught a case, was looking at a four to 10 year felony. Damn. Yeah, was going off to college on a full ride academic scholarship. Wow, and got so you were a, good in school. Yeah, yeah, always, always, because I'm an executor. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that I always retained the knowledge, I just knew how to maneuver enough to get the good grades, right. because that was the goal, right? And I see so much of that show up even in my business that I'm just an executor. Some people are initiators, other people are executors. Mm. Right. And once I know what it is, I'm always figure out how to get it done. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I was going off to college for a right academic scholarship, as one could imagine. I was still, you know, <laughs> unsure about my freedom. Mm -hmm. Right. So I flunked out, lost the scholarship. My now wife got her pregnant during that same time. Wow. So that transition from 17, 18 years old was wild for me. <sighs> uh, at that same time, I found Christ and. I didn't fully understand understand what that meant at that time, mm -hmm. but I knew that I was going down a dark place and, and hell was probably a part of it. Damn. And, um, you know, he knew my heart and he started making some changes in my life. You know, got on the other side of that case, fully expunged from my record, got rematriculated back into colleges mm. where I found real estate and graduated soon cum laude. And I told you about our daughter and, you know, we going on 17 years of marriage. So yeah. by his grace, you know what I mean? Everything worked out, but that's just another another testament to whatever you're out there going through you just got to keep going what a journey yeah keep going having a kid at 18 must have really like motivated you to do better quicker right for sure for sure you know i i just got to be completely honest because i think a lot of people struggle to find their why mm -hmm. and what happens is you get into these these rooms and these conferences and everybody's talking about their why and i think everybody feels as if it's got to sound like everybody else's, <laughs> yeah. it, it, right? Is for that sure. fair? Yeah, yeah. And, and for me, I discovered my why is me. Mm. Like God puts something deep down inside of me that disallows me to accept failure in life. Wow. And every day, if I don't feel like I'm moving the needle towards putting points on the board, I feel like I'm failing and it's almost depressing for me. Mm. And I'm grateful that I have it because it, it never allows me to be comfortable. Yeah. Um, but my wife, my daughter are the byproduct recipients of me serving that why every day. Mm. So it's not to diminish um, them as being important and a part of it, but I just know the thing that really drives me is this thing that I can't let overtake me every day yeah i have that too man do you have trouble relaxing i do bro. yeah same even on weekends because i try to take them off i just can't yeah i did for the last almost two years i started to acknowledge the sabbath right you could do it any day of the week i do it on sunday because that's the most practical day for me yeah so i grind hard six days on sunday i completely shut it down i soak up youtube mm -hmm. i feed myself i stimulate every aspect of my spirit my soul uh, and that 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 helps to replenish. You right. know what I mean? It really does. And I've been instrumental for almost two years in doing nice. that. I see a direct like 
correlation between doing it and how I feel and result. Wow, taking that day off? 100%. And it's only a day, but it'll blow your mind when you really detach yourself from everything and only feed yourself those things that you find to be enjoyable during mm. that time. It's, it's a good reset. Replenish your soul. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes you're just grinding nonstop and you, you can't take a step back and look at what's going on. For sure. Yeah, I was like that for years. Yeah. Just seven days a week. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had burnout? Oh, my God. <laughs> 100%, bro. Yeah. Like, my consultant, bless him, because he told me, he was like, have you ever done a, a, a sabbatical? Like, oh, what's that? Right? <laughs> He was like, have you ever wondered how I've been married for 25 years and how I've done all this in business, et cetera, et cetera? And I said, not, not that you say it that way. I guess that, you know, I'm curious. Yeah. He said, because I take sabbaticals at least once a year, and I try to do them every quarter, if not semi-annual. So he sent me on my first sabbatical. I went down to the beach by myself, kissed my wife goodbye, told her I'd be home in 48 hours. Mm. And um, I just took my time, spending time with myself, with God, and just, you know, went to the spa, like really just hung out with myself by myself wow. for 48 hours. On the beach? On the beach. So where'd you sleep? Well, I, I mean, I slept at the hotel on the oh, beach. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't out there in the wheelchair, <laughs> you know. But but um, when I came back, and my wife can attest to this, I, I was a different guy. Wow. I had more margin. I had more patience for my team, for my family, for myself. Um man it's burnout is a real thing mm. bro and you could really start breaking things in your close proximity if you don't correct it yeah you know wow that's cool yeah sometimes you need some alone time i guess yeah, yeah. for sure for sure literally kept my phone on do not disturb and i got the biggest revelation while i was there and god basically told me that he wasn't taking the circumstances from me mm -hmm. that he wanted me to get better in the circumstances yeah Wow. That 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 was deep. Man, that's super deep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I left there with peace, though, and I left there with resolve, understanding that in order for me to be the one of my family, it's, it's, it's a price to pay for that. Yeah. And the problem's not going to go the way. You, you just get better at dealing with them. Mm. And, you know, part of that discovery was also the sabbatical, I mean, the, the, the Sabbath piece. Mm-hmm. So after the sabbatical, I started being more instrumental about doing the, the Sabbath once a day. I mean, wow. once a week. And that that combination together, I think, has been a winning formula for me. That's awesome. I've sent some of my students on them, and they've come back and raved about it. On the sabbaticals? Me. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. How often are you doing them every quarter? Once a year. Once a year? Yeah. Nice. I'm going to try that, man. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, how important has having a girl been by your side this whole time? I wouldn't be here today without her. Wow. Literally. Like some people say that cliche-ish. No, I literally, <laughs> I literally wouldn't be here without her. Yeah. She's been with me through every, I mean, I scared her to death, right? 17, yeah. get her pregnant at 18. I am don't know what's going on with my freedom. Like, you know, and she had a lot of good stuff going on when I met her. Hmm. And, um, but yeah, I, I just appreciate her not giving up on me and believing in me. And yeah. uh, I tell everybody, her and God have been the two constants in my life the last 20 something years. And it's paid dividends. That's how I feel about my girl, man, because we've been together seven years since I was broke. And uh, I see all my single friends really struggling, honestly. Yeah. Because they're just out here trying to hook up with a new girl every week and they feel lost. And I see it. It's counterfeit. Yeah. Right? You're, you're never going to fill that void with counterfeit. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, having a good girl. And you see all the top entrepreneurs, they all got a good girl by their side, man. It's requisite, bro. Like, and I, I wear her out, I'm sure. But but she knows what her assignment is as well. She's really there to support. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that don't mean lose herself in the process, right? She's fully her, but then she's in full support of me at the same time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we do need it. Yeah. Was there a lot of fighting the first few years because you were trying to work all the time? First few years, first 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah, it, you know, I had to I had to look and just take inventory on what was the thing that moved the needle most in my life in terms of business. Yeah. And it was coaching. And so I had to keep that same energy and we went to marriage coaching. Mm. I started to, you know, do uh family therapy with my daughter. Mm. Uh you know, I had to get a coach in every aspect of my life because wow. otherwise then it then it does show what I care most about. Mm. And I think that's the biggest detriment being in business and being a driver is that if you're not careful, that thing can supersede everything else. Yeah. And we got to be careful about that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You're able to put ego to the side and admit that you needed some help, some support. 100%. Most guys wouldn't admit that, I feel like. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. That's cool, man. Well, Brian, it's been awesome. Anything you want to close off with or promote? Uh, yeah. So first thing is, uh, you're never going to be fulfilled until you do something fulfilling. Right. And I think everybody is out there living life by default instead of by design. I just encourage everybody to do that. And then also I want to leave everybody with a free gift for those that are curious, not even curious, those that are serious about building another six or seven income, seven figure a year income stream. I want to give you a free gift. Go to iflipebook.com and get your free copy of my remote investing guide and just follow it and let me know. And you guys can find me at Brian Adamson Official on all platforms. Look forward to connecting with you. Love it. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll put the link in the video. Thanks for watching, guys. As always, see you tomorrow.